If you can work through that, then you can kind of see like reality and like these experiences for what they are. And I think bringing in that awareness kind of gets you to a different maybe level or something or be able to see a little bit through the veil that other people can't see, you know? Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimeric Show. We are going to be chatting with Lee Adams a little bit later, a little bit of lucid dreaming. Stuff like that. I don't think we get into any astral projection and stuff, do we? A little bit of astral battles. We talk about oh, yeah. uh, Greg Doyle's episode there that we did, one of my all-time favorite episodes. And, you know, lucid sort of healing. I think he's blocked us. Greg Doyle? Is he oh, the... No. Uh, no, no, no. No, I don't think so. Who are you thinking of? What do you mean, who am I Just, thinking of? Who's a... Who's the Daily Grail guy? guy? No, that's a different guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, we had Ben Grundy on Outlawed, so that's probably why. No, he blocked us way before. Oh, that. okay, yeah. Actually, oh, when we go. were booking the, it came up between Ben and I when we were booking the yeah, Outlawed right, show. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were like, some of the people that blocked us were looking at it like badges of honor. Yeah. Oh, I'm blocked by him too. Oh, I'm blocked by him. Oh, it's unbelievable. This and was a great chat though. Tail eaters, the Ouroboros is his. Uh, Aurora his, Borealis. No, Aurora Boris, the tail eater. You know, the serpent eating its own tail. Let's no. see. I didn't know what that Ancient was. Ancient mythology. That's uh, what our episode art looks like for this show from Nap. Thanks, Nap. Looks I great. Didn't look at that yet. Oh, you know, yeah, we fantastic. never mentioned Nap enough. I know. We should talk about we Nap should, more. Yeah. yeah. Nap does all our art. Every episode. Well, I get he messages does our art. all the time. I'm constantly yeah. telling people who yeah. does the art. Like, yeah. Who does your art? Who does your art? Yeah. So huge shout out. And to Lucid Napoleon. Dreaming. It's interesting that uh, we bring Nap up because Nap was. Uh, Oh yeah, interested way way back with Meg Ryan and the lucid dreaming and the They're comics and the all comics that. Are oh, there. It's, it's like that was one of the things that really connected us. Lost bread, lost bread. Awesome. I've been dreaming lots lately, man. I don't know if it has something to do with this episode or what, or but I t- I'm starting to record them all. Got some recordings. You know, got I was my voice about notes. Your... Got my voice notes open at the bedside table. And I just pop in. I'm like, oh my god! I try to remember the day. I'm like, this. I go. It's March 24th. I had another oh. long dream about this and that. And so I, you're at your 13 years sober. 13 years sober. Yeah, we passed it. I passed it on the March 25th. Big day for By me. By my calculation, it's more like two and a half since we got out of the igloo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told you. The second I, I smoked doesn't count. That's right? when I quit smoking weed in the studio, pretty much. <laughs> I saw you make some smart ass comment about that in the chat somewhere. I was going to pipe in, but I decided just well, to I think let you have it. it because you're just as giggly and sound just as stoned. With there you go. Even exactly. when I'm not I know. I sound stoned even when I'm not. Especially if you put them on three quarters. But, I, but get this. So I've lost like 25 pounds on the carnivore diet. And I decided that that night, like uh, Maria gave me a Valentine's chocolate, uh, white chocolate bar. And I left it in the fridge for two months. And uh, I went to a meeting that night that I haven't been to in a year because it was shut down on my last birthday and it's a little far away now, but we had a social distance meeting and it was great. And I had some cookies there and I had a half of that white chocolate bar when I got home and man, did I have a headache in the morning from that. Like I felt hung over from the shirt. Cause that's the first like desserty type thing I've had since uh, probably beginning of January. Oh yeah, dude. and what? And I thought, you know what? When I was eating all this stuff all the time, like, what is it doing? If it if it makes the if it gives you that effect because you're sort of off it, what is it doing all the time for you? You know? Yeah, I'll notice that if I like 
go hard on a bag of cookies. Or like, eat, I, I have to eat quite a bit because my diet's not as clean as yours, probably. But uh, like, if I eat fucking five or six cookies or like a big bowl of ice cream or something like that, I could wake up the next day and it ruin my whole morning. Yeah, and my head yeah. hurts. I got this tension at the back of yeah. my neck. It's just brutal. I mean, it is very reminiscent of a hangover. Yeah. Yeah. super and I mean that's the thing to think about what that shit doing all the time when yeah. you're eating that stuff yeah I want to get Paul Saladino on the show he's he's the carnivore guy that we he's still ignoring you oh I've only tried once I think to email him but... so if we get you on the wild meat you could just be eating for free that's right yeah are you gonna try try the wild wild meat what yeah. do you mean you've been eating the sausages yeah yeah it's good yeah I've been eating some of the meat you gave me yeah did you take any roasts and stuff like that too, or did you just take sausages? No, I just took sausages, yeah, and some ground beef, I, and some ground stuff that I still haven't eaten yet. Oh, you won't notice anything in the ground either. You won't taste any no. of that, anything no. in that. I mean, what I would do is when you leave today, take a couple of like steaks or roasts and just see if how that is. You have to like undercook them way more than you're used to. Oh, okay. Like uh, way undercook them. I was talking to Russ from the Snake Brothers. They eat all the serpent, and I and I said, Russ, looks like you've lost weight, and he's like, Yeah, I've lost a lot. I'm on this diet. I'm like, What is it? He's like, It's kind of like a paleo. It's like I just eat meat and eggs, and I go, So do I, and I've lost a ton. Really, eh? Yeah. So he's doing the same thing. Maybe I should jump on that bandwagon. I eat a lot of meat and eggs already. I just yeah. have to take out more crap. Yeah. And I yeah. drink a lot of coffee. But you don't need to. A though, lot yeah. of coffee. I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, this was a fantastic chat. Oh, I love this lucid dreaming stuff because it's, I don't know, maybe that's what inspired me and I'm dreaming more now. I don't know. But it's pretty, so? pretty interesting, yeah. I still don't dream a lot. Maybe I do, I just don't remember them. Oh, yeah, everybody dreams. Everybody. Yeah. That's, that's it. it. Yeah, everybody dreams. Huh, we went out yesterday, got a load of firewood. It's nice. We finally found a mountain road that wasn't gated and got through the mountains, through the first pass of mountains anyway. Every other road we went on last weekend was closed. Yeah. So we went all the way, way down, almost Crow's Nest Pass and found a way in down there. Wow. Yeah, that's good. It's nice that's to get into the actual mountains, get yeah. up, up the Old Man River, up to the like the river up there. There's a bunch of people fishing. Went and got a bunch of firewood. Nice. Good day's work. Went Did you shoot some guns? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Shot a box of skeets. Oh. Me good. and Miles with 12 yeah. gauge. Yeah. Went through fucking a load of shells. Wow. Maybe like. Hundred. Wow. And then uh we had to let the gun cool down a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and then the I had cut down the kids' twenty two. Well it used to be my twenty two, but I cut it down so it fit the girls. So you cut the, the handle down the thing? Stock yeah. down, yeah. 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 And they're doing pretty good, eh? Yeah, they both hit that three inch target at about thirty yards. Yeah. Did you hit it? When yeah. you went out? No, oh, okay. I'm sure I would have. Yeah. Are you sure you would have? You, <laughs> I hit it with the slingshot. <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. After like three bounces? <laughs> After about a hundred tries. Yeah. Did you hit it with the gun though? I think you did. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they're as good as you. I told them if, I, if we're ever in a hostage situation, they can take the shot. If someone <laughs> has a gun to my head. Just go ahead. You can take the shot. <laughs> you can hit that little target. There you go. I'll just wince. Yeah. Blink. That was a good day. Good day's work. You forget how I slept fucking 11 hours last night. Yeah, you sleep well after that. You forget how here. fucking, how much work a load of firewood is. Yeah. It's been fucking a decade. What do you think? That was a cord you put in your truck? No. That's like, a cord is four feet by four feet by eight feet. Well, what is that? That's probably like. Two by four by eight? Two by. So it's half a cord, you think? No. Maybe a quarter cord. Really? Probably that's a quarter it? quarter oh, cord. Wow. 
Yeah, it's just my truck's small for one. My my truck bed is only five foot seven. Oh, okay. And I didn't even have that because I have my sleigh at the front to put all the guns. Oh, and I see. In. So it's not even doesn't even get to eight foot long. I have to even, bring a right, toilet right, in yeah, there. So there's yeah. really probably only four feet of wood in right. and stacked two feet high. Right. So maybe it is four feet by four feet. Might be a might be four feet by four feet by two feet. But that would be a quarter cord, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because it's four by four by two instead of four by four by eight. There's so much wood out there; it's fucking crazy. And then I went. You go to the on the way back. We stopped to get some drinks, and uh, you go into the store, and it's twelve fucking dollars for a bag of firewood that's got about eight pieces oh, in wow. it. And we went out free. It used to be. It used to be back in the day. It used to be five bucks for the permit. You go online, you pay five bucks, and you get a thirty day permit. And these are a couple different ones you can get. You can get the firewood one, so you can basically go cut as much firewood as you want every day for 30 days. Um, if you're selling it, you're supposed to get a different permit. And this is, does it, does it matter what you're cutting down? Like you're not cutting down trees, I don't cut right? down trees. Just, no, it's all just, just taking, the there's yeah. so much debt. I, I literally parked the truck in one spot. We took, we, we just spent two hours chainsawing and splitting, chainsaw split. Take turns, chainsaw split, just on stuff that's lying on the ground in a hundred square foot area. Wow. Was it, and we could have filled my truck up heaping. We could have got a quarter How far easily. up the road? Oh, you, we could have went anywhere. We went way up the road. We went over the pass because we were looking for sheep at the yeah. same time, see if we could find some rams. And we wanted to go skeet shoot. Did you see any we didn't animals? See, no. We didn't see any. We've seen no. a bunch of deer. Yeah. But the deer are too piney right now yeah. in the spring. Uh. Plus they could be pregnant. So, and I'm not a big... A white tail fan. Yeah. But I think the bros, the snake bros eat a ton of white tail down there. Those guys are eating deer, I think, most of the time. We get um, we'll get you on the wild meat this year. See, I'm more of a mule deer guy. I'm waiting for the ice to come off the lake so I can take the boat out. Yeah. The new boat. And it's well new to me anyway. Yeah. And snatch up some deer from the bottom of the coolies. Maybe we'll take you out for that. Yeah, sure. We're gonna. Yeah, like, I'd love to go. Out when there. we go out there, we're gonna start a little fire and cook out the tenderloins right out there. Really? After I cut no. them out. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, that's a bit creepy. I don't know. Really? I, that too much? I right? could force myself to do it. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm eating meat now. You so take it I'll a couple of rocks. Put it between a couple of rocks. We'll mash the shit out of it. No. Throw some salt no, on no. it. Fry it in a no, pan no, and some oil. Like Why do you have to mash it? I'll just make it extra tender, a little crispy. Then you're not cooking like a big three inch thick piece of meat. You're not trying to cook that over. So did you fire. have to get a permit for your firewood? Yeah, it was free this year though. Oh, it's a free permit. But you That's can also get a permit to transplant up to 20 trees. Why would you need a permit to do that? This, this, this is the question. Why do I need a permit to go out into the, into the woods, public land and take wood? Why do I need a permit for that? For one. And. Why do I need a permit to go take, dig out a tree? To dig out a tree? Yeah, so you'd go dig out a tree from the bush and take it into your yard and plant it. Oh, I see. I was thinking that'd be a lot of work, though. You need a little permit for everything now. Yeah. Fucking permit for a permit. You yeah. have to get the permit permit. Soon you're not going to be able to get wood out of the wood out of the uh, forest if you don't have a vaccine permit. Uh... <laughs> I'm just That's joking. Let's not go there. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> Hey, wood. save that for outlawed. Go go check out our Grimerica outlawed for that kind of stuff. It's pretty lawless out there. <laughs> Usually, when people roll up and you're shooting off a bunch of guns, they just keep on driving. Even the even the people that are supposed to stop. Yeah, 
Except you get the odd game warden that's pretty gung-ho, but it's not hunting season right now, so right. he knows we're just out pissing around. Yeah. He doesn't want any trouble. No one wants any trouble out in the bush. It's only in the, in the cities, in the towns. Mostly the cities. Even yeah. the towns out there, they don't give a fuck about nothing. Yeah. Actually, Claire's home is overboard. They had a sign at the drive-thru that asked me to put on my mask before I paid. Oh, uh, just, there's a couple small towns. Uh, somebody was doing a, oh my God, Kevin, Kevin something, Kevin Johnson, I think his name is. He was in uh, Dawson Creek, I think it was, which I BC? think, yeah. And he was going into the no frills there or whatever. And oh my God, they would not let him take soap. They would not let him buy soap without a mask. Like they were trying to grab the soap out of his hand. He's like, here's huh. $5. I'm putting five dollars on the on the counter, and he's got. Of course, there's filming, and there's a bunch of people there, and he's without a mask, and they're like, "You can't take that without a mask. You're not going to take it." And they're trying to grab it out of his hand. Even like, everyone you can't I shop said, without a mask. This is in a small town, Dawson Creek. They're just like they're more crazy than the big cities right now. Even everyone I've seen outside in Claire's home had a mask on. Oh, it's, something's going on right in, now. It's, I didn't it's, go it's, in it's, any place. I think I think they might have a bylaw. I think we I think we've been a little out of touch with the local media and how much fear is going on right now because I've seen kids today with outside with masks on which is weird because usually the kids outside that just don't have them. Their mom. Yeah. Depends on the parent. I mean, we all went into Max Friday night for Slurpees with no masks. Did he say that guy says something to me sometimes? He didn't say nothing. He was smiling. Yeah. I mean, maybe I just look unapproachable. Cuz he saw the squint in his eyes. Yeah, I can I can tell when someone's smiling by their eyes. I'm a smiler too. I'm a big smiler. He didn't say nothing to me. No one ever says anything to me either. I look extra friendly or I look like I might fucking snap. <laughs> with my hair and my beard right now, I probably look like the latter. Yeah. And I have my kids with me. Honestly, it, it seemed like everyone was happy to see some laughing and smiling and kids. Yeah. They were completely out of hand too because I was like, okay, just don't make a scene. But then they go in there and they're fucking wrestling and knocking stuff over. Oh my god! <laughs> yelling and screaming, and which is how it should be. It seemed like everyone was happy, honestly, to just have a bit of normality back yeah. in their day. Yeah. Right. right that guy gives you the gears. No, once he said, "Where was your mask or something?" And At I was mom's. like, "And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, what do you got? What well, you I got, got an email got? from Rob in Italy. A little update for us in Ooh, Italy, Rob and then Pavato? I got a synchro. Yeah, do that first. And now another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people. Remind me, remind me to uh, play a little sample of his music that he uh, that he composes for documentaries, films, and streaming series and stuff like that. He sent me a little sample. And he says, uh, my favorite composing genres are orchestral music, noir, jazz, and hard rock. So he says, now to something. So I asked him for a little update in Italy. And he says, now to say something about Italy would need a very, very long email because context is king to understand the Italian situation at best. <clears throat> I would avoid that for the moment, but I'll try and make a short note. There is good news and bad news. The good news is that the majority of people, young and old, lost trust in politics in general. The bad news is that in January, they made President Conte fall, which was an inside job in plain sight. And then freaking Draghi came into power. Draghi, Draghi came into power. He was not voted. And when this happens, it's called technical government which roughly translate to, we don't have time to go vote. Therefore, we need technically skilled politicians that run the nation until voting becomes possible again. How's that? 
Sounds like trouble. Ugh. Draghi is kind of very bad news, given he is one of the G30 group of 30, and he clearly doesn't give a damn about the slightest concern of the Italian people. To me, no politician is good. That said, at least Conte had the balls to get constantly on social media and did a bunch of live streamings with journalists roasting him during the whole COVID year. This droggy guy, the moment he jumps in, the whole Italian mainstream media praises him like he's some kind of savior or something, and that stinks. Nobody actually knows what Draghi is doing because he's constantly absent from the media, hardly holds press conferences, and he's just doing what the group of 30 told him to do to allow them to do whatever their goal is. The only part of it, which is to erase, no, I only know part of it, which is to erase all the family stores, companies, and make room for the big corporate ones. About COVID, as always here, there are rules, but the good, bad part of Italy is that Everybody screws up the rules eventually. It's so darn confusing that the virus, if the, that if the virus were actually so deadly, we would have died like flies in a couple of days. So yeah, 100,000 people died, an average of 82 years old with comorbidities. But all of my friends that got it took some vitamin C, D, plus zinc and got over it. Never they got seen, comos? Never seen one single person on TV advising that, of course, which is pretty much what's going on in almost the rest of the planet. Hey, what are the chances that the number one killers different COVID would be uh, Comos and Cuomos? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I digress. Sorry for the lengthy text. Let me know if you'd like to hear more from an Italian point of view. I will donate to the Grime Erica show again. You guys are great. Whatever happens to your YouTube channel, I, was all, I will always follow you, follow you wherever it goes on. Rob. And then he mentioned something. I don't know if you've heard about this before. He says in his other email, he said, anyways, you guys are going through a lot of changes. I really appreciate all the efforts you are going to make Grimerica live on. And I always will be following you, whatever the Rockfin or Jesuskin platform you will be on. You know what he means by that? No. Sounds good, though. Here's, here's, a, here's his sample. Hold it closer. Reminds me of the Pink Panther. Ooh, I should download those for the kids. I used to love the Pink Panther back in the day. The cartoon? You mean the cartoon? There was never any talking in it, right? Do you think there's any weird... Uh, Thanks, uh, Rob. There's his music. I'll put a link in the show notes to robcavallomusic.com. I, I was thinking more of the Pink Panther show. I the think. movie? Yeah, the movie. Yeah, that was always such a letdown for me. It was <laughs> whenever I, I, I thought the Pink Panther movie, I was like, yes, two hours of the Pink Panther, and it was just these fucking bozos. Uh, well, as long as we're playing stuff off our phones, I've got a new jingle from the King of Jingles. By the way, just because we have a King of Jingles doesn't mean you can't send in jingles. We appreciate jingles. Uh, but we do have one from the King of Jingles. It is... An adult brain jingle. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is our audiobook landing page. Check out adultbrain.ca, is it, Darren? Adultbrain.ca. Because, because what's the secret doctrine is out right now. The secret doctrine. Ooh. It is uh, a massive tome, and secret teachings is coming out very soon. And I want to just explain to you the secret doctrine is 
is The Synthesis of Science, Religion, and Philosophy by H.P. Blavatsky, Volume 1, Cosmogenesis. I don't know how long it is. Do you remember how long that one is? 34 and a half hours. 34 and a half hours. Lots of work we put into that. And I mean, honestly, you want to skip through the stanzas probably and get into the second half of the book. You can follow the uh, the chapters and stuff. Did you really? Yeah. I don't know how it got through uh, quality control. On the... On the actual audio book? Oh my God. I left the S out. Oh my God. Blavatsky? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we have a problem with spelling here. Oh uh, yeah, Charlotte, we're both yeah. terrible spellers. At least yeah. we haven't spelled anyone's like, uh, this feels worse. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times we we put, we give Nap the wrong spelling for the art and stuff. We've, we've and, handed oh over God. responsibility for spelling to you though. Yeah. For the record. You know what happens? But I plug have... it in quickly and then I forget to update it. I plug it in quickly in the show notes and then I forget to double check I don't it. think I can blame you for Blavatki. No. I... <laughs> anyway, check it out. Maybe put a link to that specific book in the show notes. Okay, will do. Yeah, but it is a it is a tome for sure. And it's pretty hard to understand a lot of it. But I think it's, it's 37 the, the last half of it is credit. Good. Yeah. Anyway. If that's something, if you got some audible credits or you want to listen to Graham narrate some uh, a sure. fantastic book, that is a great way to help with the show. We make about 14 bucks Canadian every time someone buys that book or uses an audible credit for it or uses a free audible membership to get it. So if uh, it's something you're interested in, if you do go to audible and get that or tell your friends to get it, whatever, that is a great way to support the show. Of course, if you go to Adult Brain... Should I put a link from Adult Brain Yeah, in there? but the thing is, or should from, put that from... specific show in there because I haven't updated the Adult Brain site yet. Oh, you mean go to Audible, you mean, for that one? Yeah. Okay. That's what Adult I was Brain ask has me. all the other ones updated, okay. but I haven't got up to updating the secret, teach, or the secret Doctrine link yet, and I don't know if I'll get to it tonight. Okay. But uh, I, might as well, I will play the new Adult Brain jingle while we're here. Oh, nice the, and short. Like the link, like the link is pretty ugly. It's one of those long links. I can make it a pretty link. Yeah, you should probably make it. I'll, I'll leave it in there. You can just, just leave it in it there, and I'll put it, it up. Yeah. So yeah, if that's a great way, adultbrain.ca. There's a secret society books over there. There's four or five books from us that are over there that you buy. A great way to support the show. There's another way, great way to support the show. Which to be episode, I believe, 486, all for free. Is to head over to grammarica.ca/support. Sign up for a monthly via Stripe or PayPal or Patreon, any of those. We can get cryptos if you want. I think they're having trouble with that crypto thing, but I got this other wallet now anyway that we have to use for our Rockfin stuff. So um, I think I'll just end up putting those addresses on the page anyway the next time I get in there. You can just email me if that's something you want to do. But uh, yeah, this is just a value for value show. We're never going to change. We're never going to take ad sponsors and stuff like that. We're never going to do ad reads. You just support it if you like it. We'll keep going. Um, of course, if, you, if you're not into the value for value model, you can go check out some of our other content on our other platforms other than this show. We have Grimerica Outlawed, our other podcast that's mostly controversial conspiracy stuff and pushing back on medical stuff and a lot of COVID stuff. And, Great reset stuff. Yeah. All that stuff that's over at grammericaoutlawed.ca or just type Grammerica Outlawed into your podcast player. Of course, that over there is a first hour free, second hour members type system. And we do have David Icke coming up 
and Gareth Ike coming up this week for interviews. We got Jason Burmas coming out right away over there. We just had a fantastic episode with Owen Hunt, probably one of my top top five interviews of all time. I really? absolutely loved it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, oh, because it was a lot of it was about Napoleon Hill and outwitting yeah, the great. devil and the manifestation. And yeah. yeah, that was a great chat. So you can go check that out. Or we've got our Rockfin presence. Of course, now we have started mirror streaming our YouTube because this this show, the Grimerica show, was our last presence on YouTube. They kicked the outlawed feed off already. So it went to Rockfin for free. And now we've started streaming this there as well. So we stream this on YouTube. We also stream this on Rockfin. They've got a better tip system set up there instead of super chats that they don't take as much as YouTube does. And we're just sort of backing out of YouTube. I mean, YouTube's made it apparent they don't want a bunch of our content. So eventually they're not going to get any of our content. And we're sort of starting the dual stream thing now. So we'll keep streaming to YouTube as well. But we're going to start streaming to Rockfin too. And so head over there and just sign up for a free account. Yeah, and you get, and you get all kinds of all kinds of watch on Rockfin. Yeah, and it's like the Netflix of YouTube, really. So you get a whole bunch of awesome creators over there. I mean, I could go off and name them all, but you you know most of the people that are over there already. If you want to pay, but you don't need to. I mean, for now. But I no, mean, no. But I mean, they're all there, yeah. there anyways for in the free section. Oh yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. the Rockfin has a giant free section, and that's where we want you to watch the show if you're watching it. YouTube, we're going to keep it there because people find the show through that. Still, it's still like a. But eventually, you know, eventually, it, eventually, it might not even be our choice. They, anyway. might, they might just say, "Not enough with all these independent creators that are." So now we're just streaming to Rockfin as well. Everything we do streams that streams to YouTube, streams to Rockfin too. So you don't have to do both. You might as well just go to rockfin.com slash Gramerica. And then if you ever do decide to sign up for a premium account, of course, we've got the premium show over there. Gramerica goes deep. We did Ancient Mysteries. Now we're doing Climate Change. There's about 150 or 200 or more other creators on Rockfin that do premium content. You do get access to all that should you decide to sign up. That being said, if you sign up, go through our link. It supports us. I don't care if you sign up. I just want you to go to Rockfin and start watching our video stuff there instead of on YouTube because we're not big fans of YouTube and YouTube's not big fans of us. that all? Yep. Which trailer are we playing this week? Did we play the last one from the season one? or? Oh, you're going to play one in this episode still? Yeah, and your idea of going slow has fucked us because now I'm getting backed up on trailers. Oh, yeah, yeah, have yeah, a couple yeah. of Randall well, Carlson I mean, ones. So um, then, what, what is this? The is this I don't the think we played the last then? Tartaria one. This is the one, last yeah. Tartaria one. Yeah, yeah. So play that. So play that trailer in here. And then yeah. next week we'll play the Tony Heller trailer. Yeah. And then we just did a couple hours of Randall Carlson as well yeah. on climate. Yeah, that fantastic. Was great too, yeah. So I got a synchro here from the chats. You can come in the chats too. Grammarica.ch/slash/chats. Leave synchros and stuff like that in there. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. You ready to rate this one, Darren? Ready? This is from Innerly Lad. Got one for you, Grimerica. Grimerica, he says. I'm going through old boxes in my basement storage room. My eight-year-old is helping me look for a box of guitar strings, I'm sure, that are down there somewhere. As I'm digging through bins, my kid finds a box from his mother's childhood and proceeds to read a book that he randomly pulls out. I, on the other hand, find a Mother's Day project they both did together about four years ago that I was supposed to hang on the wall four years ago. Oops. Now I know Mother's Day is coming, eventually. 
and get the idea to finally build a frame for the old gift and give it to her this Mother's Day. So as usual, I'm talking out loud to myself and I ask myself, I wonder when Mother's Day is. And without skipping a beat, my kid reads this out loud. See picture. As he was on that exact page and was about to start reading that exact paragraph. Why do we celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day? Answer. The second Sunday in May is always Mother's Hallmark. Day. We, <laughs> we celebrate this day to give special thanks to our mothers. The third Sunday each June is Father's Day. On this day, we give special thanks to our fathers. Some people give their parents gifts on these special days. <laughs> Crazy, eh? So that random book from his mom's childhood, from the kid's mom's childhood, was open. He was about to start reading that paragraph when he asked the question, on when is Mother's Day? And then that's a picture of the, uh, the gift. Nice. Like a heart with two hands in it. That was I got a to couple of those. Frame that thing. I had a couple of those around here, I think. The girls. Yeah. All right, I'll give it a 7.5. Nice. All right, I guess that's it. We'll jump into I got a quote. Oh, you got a quote? Yeah. Oh, shit. I should have yeah. known you had a quote. Yeah, I got a quote somewhere. I'm ill prepared. Here we go. I put the link, yeah. Well done. One of the most spiritual things you can do is embrace your humanity. Connect with those around you today. Say, I love you. I'm sorry. I appreciate you. I'm proud of you. Whatever you're feeling. Send random texts. Write a cute note. Embrace your truth and share it. Cause a smile today for someone else and give plenty of hugs. That's Steve Maraboli. Maraboli. Well, that's kind of what I was going to say about Mother's Day before Hallmark. It was just like, you should just appreciate your mom and your dad and stuff all the time. <laughs> I digress. Uh, so, yeah. Enjoy the, the last trailer for season one of our Rockfin special with Flavortown and Amuro. And then enjoy the Fabulous Chat. Lee Adams. Um, but we have the Pan American Buffalo Exposition of 1901. So here we have, this is the Temple of Music. So these structures, we are told, are temporary. <laughs> in 18 months, what? they constructed, <laughs> yes, in 18 months, they constructed this city. Um, it was... It took them 18 months to build, and there are several structures that they claim are temporary that still stand. So we have an entire civilization and generation of people with master-level craftsmanship that have been removed from this society. 
They have been killed. They have been exterminated. They were sent through two world wars to ensure that nobody would have the ability to make these things ever again. I don't think, I mean, you work in construction or relatively speaking, what, what kind of logistics would it take just to build one of these temporarily? Yeah, I like to call it the grand unified architecture. I prefer that as a phrase because it stays agnostic of a particular civilization because I don't think we know who the civilization is necessarily. So, and I don't think it's Roman, you know, they call it Greco-Roman architecture. I don't like that phrase either. I like grand unified architecture. Um, so you can see again, this, this, this signature brick here. So you have the archways, you have the brick laid out very well. Um, and you can see all kinds of evidence of an entire layer of civilization underneath Rome. I mean, we're talking tunnels, we're talking what are these, I mean, sewer systems could have been a way of transporting energy, uh, could have been, you know, these could have been railroads back then. I mean, I, I don't know, um, but there are, I mean, I don't know how long it took them to excavate this stuff, but, and this is, this is a, a massive amount of material. And so we're those talking statues some, were underneath her too. Yeah. Wow. That's the that's the big change up in um, in popular culture. They always have uh, and in video games too, not just movies and TV. They talk about the the sewers beneath Rome, the catacombs. They said that they couldn't find Pompeii until 1631, but uh, Pompeii is openly on maps in the very same location with uh, Herculaneum and other cities all through the 1500s. So there's there's less than a 100-year split between when it was put on maps and when it was apparently found dug out. Yeah. Cuz they didn't know it was there apparently. That's what they're that's what they're claiming. They say that for 1600 years they couldn't find the thing. Yeah. But every map maker had <laughs> found it and had been right about it up until the day they dug it out. Uh, but it turns out that they're all a bunch of uh, rich kids from ancient, you know, ancient bloodlines from like ah. Dutch families and German families that are responsible for the uh, repurposing of our history. And the, you know, so I think what we're looking at is we have these repurposed structures. They give these uh, spooks uh, the the title of architect, and they are the ones that are uh, responsible for the retrofitting of these structures. They are not the, the progenitors. They are not the designers of these structures. They are the inheritors. That's why all these cities are founded and not built. Ever wonder about that? The wordplay? Founded, not constructed. Penn Station's huge. I wonder if some of these structures weren't used as uh, airships, uh, some sort of airship-based... Um, like an airport? Airport, right? yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of the designs of these train stations there. They do look like a uh, airship could be flown through them or kept in them. If you just bust out one of the walls, you know, they have that sort of cylindrical, half cylindrical design to them that kind of makes them look like hangers in a lot of situations. You, you find a lot of that style of structure um, in, in that period of time is those sort of huge cavernous half cylindrical hanger looking structures in major cities and then you have the large spires like at the top of the empire state building that was used as refueling stations for airships there has been a complete rewriting of our history that has been done in 
are relative generation. We know people who have gone through it. I have had great uncles who went through the insane asylum, mental asylum, reprogramming prisons that they had set up for a hundred years in the 18 and 1900s. So from a personal level, I am very interested in knowing why this happened and, and a little bit of what happened. I, I don't think we're ever going to get down to it. And that's the other part of it. That's fun <laughs> is that it never stops. So you can just keep going and going and going and going. You know, we didn't even talk about star force. I, this is the first we're mentioning it in the last five minutes. Oh, it's like, how do we goodness. even forget it? Good Lord. I mean, I could do an entire show about star force and how insane those are. It's a handy little purview of history, which nobody seems to know or care about because we got this little overview of history all through school. And we assumed, like I said in the beginning, that everything's been discovered and there's no more exploration to do. History's all been figured out and it's a dead subject. And uh, if you're interested in history, the History Channel has 47 specials on World War II. And that's it. Um, we are at the point now where I believe that the next step is to start crowdfunding research um, and talking to scientists and, and coming up with ways and strategies of how we can actually start testing these theories, uh, soil core samples, um, potentially dating the age of rocks and quarries and rocks and buildings. All right, we're getting back into lucid dreaming and UFOs with Lee Adams of taileaters.com and the author of a fantastic book, A Visionary Guide to Lucid Dreaming, Methods for Working with the Dream, the Deep Dream State. So thanks for joining us, buddy. It's been, we've yeah, been no back problem. and forth a while and we're finally connected. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Glad to, glad to be able to be on your show with you guys. Yeah, man. It totally brought me back to like, we, we delved pretty deep into lucid dreaming. I had a favorite podcast from the UK. And these guys were hilarious. They were talking about lucid dreaming. And, and uh, this now, like, it's funny how time flies because at the beginning I had this lucid dreaming book, LaBerge's book, actually, on, yeah, okay. on lucid dreaming. And I met these guys at a, at a UFO conference that were, that were doing these videos, these lucid dream videos. You might even know this crew, these guys. They were total artists. They do these, like, these videos, like 15, 20-minute videos where they pretend they're lucid dreaming and all that. Ah. And I met them at the UFO conference because they were volunteering for the audiovisual part of it awesome yeah and it was a total synchronicity i go i've just been watching you guys on video and here you are at this conference <laughs> yeah on a different subject too yeah oh, dude, it's kind of yeah. interesting they're all intertwined in each other you oh know? totally and and they were fantastic guys and uh and we were getting right into lucid dreaming and i was trying all the techniques for a while and i just i don't know i, I wasn't very good at it every once in a while i could do it but but that laberge book was really interesting to me and then your 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 book seemed like that was a contemporary like redo of that that's that included all this extra stuff in it, you know, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've like you, I've read quite a few books on lucid dreaming. So I kind of wanted to make it so that people had an introductory kind of experience with my book. And then also um, the biggest thing that I thought was lacking in lucid dreaming book is to be able to take the, finally have the experience and then kind of extend it so that you can, kind of know what to do after you have the experience because like um i spent all my life essentially um having these experiences but then nobody really talks about what to do after that you know so um it has the methods in there and additional techniques and stuff for pretty much everybody um that's coming into it essentially brand new and then um and you know at 
most of those techniques I, I didn't create myself. You know, I've read books and listened to researchers and stuff like that that have actually done the work and then um, kind of focused on the science of it, you know, and try to keep it more scientific. And then also, um, you know, gave the the reader something to do after they had their first experience or where to take it after that. So I would say it has like um, some beginner elements to it and then also like what you know more advanced stuff to like actually what is possibly happening and where to go with it so um you know it, it's kind of i wrote the book for me and essentially you know in a way to kind of put together all my experiences in a framework that kind of makes sense you know like anybody that's written a book can talk about that experience where you you write a bunch you know and you don't know really what to do with it and then you start putting together and forming like a, a narrative out of it and creating a story and then it starts coming together and, and you see things in that that you normally don't get you know so in a way it's it's like an advanced dream dream journaling you know in yeah yeah creating this book so it's been a great experience in the sense that uh it's been hard but i also learned a lot you know from it yeah and um and it, i've grown a lot and you know met a lot of interesting people like yourself uh to discuss the book you know yeah that's fantastic so how long was it in the works for uh <laughs> that's a good question you know like uh most people say it takes a lifetime to write a book you know and i kind of agree with that you know um I, I spent a lot of time writing a lot of the content in the book um, throughout the years and then kind of reassembled it into a narrative that people could read. So, um, you know, it, I have my own personal blog as well as like a blog that other people can join in and stuff like that on my website. And a lot of, the, you know, people that have followed my work and stuff like that would probably see similarities in the book as well yeah. as through my blog, you know, yeah. and, um, but I added a lot in there that I'd, I've never really released to anybody either. So I wanted to keep it fresh, but, um, you know, it takes, it took, took me a lifetime to really get the ability to, to write something like this. I'm not a great writer. So I had editors and stuff like that to kind of help me out, you know, and, um, and it's a lot of work for me, you know, um, so yeah, it took, it took a long time, man. Yeah. It was, it was a good book. It really is. How did Thanks. you, how yeah, did you incorporate it. like the hero's journey and Young's work into that? Cause I mean that it's, this is so much deeper than just, you know, figuring out how to become aware in your dreams. I mean, it goes right, into yeah. a lot of deep stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Young's, uh, work, you know, um, unfortunately he passed away, so we can't really have a, you know, conversation one-on-one, -on -one, but, um, I've been a fan of his work, uh, for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I started to go to grad school for um, Jungian depth psychology and really dove into the material. Then finally, you know, actually read the work of his, and, you know, um, talked with people that have spent their entire lives essentially studying Jung's theories and practices and stuff and working with dreams. And I kind of used, you know, some of those techniques and tools that they provide me, not all of them, because, you know, some of them I didn't really agree with, but I used some of their techniques to kind of um, expand on that and make it into like a, uh, a better book, you know? Um, I, I don't really like uh, attribute everything that I believe in and agree with <laughs> into uh, what Jung says, but yeah, um, yeah. I think there is a lot of good stuff in, in Jung's work. And so I tried to encompass that. And, um, you know, Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey isn't really like Jungian in a sense. It's he he went to um, he was a big proponent of the school I was going to uh, Pacifica Graduate Institute, and um, he he was a big 
you know, key figure there. So I, I saw his hero's journey, uh, kind of motif, you know, theme and the structure of that. And I realized that a lot of dream content actually, um, throughout the years kind of cycles around in this, like, um, in this system, you know, like, uh, kind of like an Ouroboros. Right. And so, uh, that's the same symbol that, um, that Joseph Campbell uses for his hero's journeys as, as a circle, you know, like you, uh-huh, okay. you go on the journey and then you return and then kind of the journey, it never really stops. You could say, you know, it continually goes over and over again. So, um, you know, I, I've been into the Ouroboros for a long time and that's kind of my symbol that I've adopted into my life as like this learning process and growing process that I'm going through. And you could call it individual individualization. And, uh, using that young word. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw that and I immediately kind of gravitated to it. So that's, um, that's the tail eaters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, the hero's journey, I think is, uh, a great mechanism, uh, to look at in terms of dream work and like a, not just one dream, but like a series of dreams throughout your life and the process that it's um, going through and trying to convey a message to you to help you grow as an individual, you know? And so, yeah, that's kind of where it went to. I would cool. say that the book is like uh, somebody referred to it as an individual mythology. So, um, you know, we read myth and stories throughout like ancient cultures, like Greek and Egyptians and, uh, the Roman gods and all that stuff. And even in the, the Bible, you could call it, you know, a myth. And what I'm saying is like, we dreams are myth. Like they, they are stories about us that use characters and symbols and stuff like that to create these very integrate, uh, stories that are important to our personal lives. And, um, what I proposed in the book is that these stories are equivalent to our own personal myth. They are the gods and they are the, the, the creatures of myths that we read in these stories, but there are ours, you know, and, and when, when we engage in that, they're living, growing myth that we can, um, we can, become more if we actually listen to them so yeah. not random noise like uh some of the mainstream scientists would like yeah, just to yeah, exactly. believe. yeah i love that you have any questions Ryan? is it like a literal thing do you literally listen to your dreams or is it all symbology or is there anything to those dream books that you know that's a great question yeah, that's a good question man um well i tend to look at symbols and myths as very differently um because of my background and probably uh, the majority, uh, would think so, um, you know, modernity would like us to think that symbols and myth means like, um, fake, right. They, you, you look at a story of the ancient gods and stuff like that. And you're like, Oh, that that's, they're not real. The gods aren't real, you know? And so we discredit it. We throw it away. Um, what I'm saying is there's a much deeper element to, to myth and symbols than the surface level image that you see or the text that you read or anything like that. So um, when it comes to dream symbols, I'm not one that says, um, you know, you see a bird and that means X, right? Um, I'm not in the position to even really sit there and tell you what your dream means. Um, I believe that each individual needs to understand, build a relationship with their dreams and actually dive into it and 
explore what it speaks to you and it conveys a message to you. So um, it's very, it's time consuming in the sense that you have to put energy in, but whatever you put in, you get out of it. And um, I'm not surface level where, you know, one thing means one thing, like no, there's no dream dictionary that's going to tell me what my dream means. You know, um, there's some common elements in it, you know, like uh, somebody, me, it's common that people dream of water sometimes and things like that. Right. And universally, like there's some uh, meanings to water that we kind of all share, you know, through our, uh, you could call it evolution, you know, so you can kind of take some elements out of a dream about water and kind of convey a message to somebody else, or maybe assist them in trying to understand what maybe they're dreaming about in terms of water or something like that, you know, but, um, big picture stuff. That's what I'm kind of talking about is not, it's not a group activity. It's very individual. It's very, um, energy, you know, you have to put a lot of energy into it to understand, you know, it's personal. And, and a lot of people assume that once you wake up from a dream, you know, like the dream's done and it's over with and whatever that was is done. Right. But what uh, I would like to convey is that dreams don't just end when you wake up, you know, they're in your psyche, they're in your memory. They're constantly being brought up as you're like going throughout your day and expressing it. So it, it's still in there, you know, it's still working just like, uh, you know, people express with psychedelics and stuff like that. They talk about how, when you engage with uh, you could call it a spirit or whatever, right? Like my uh, mother Aya or something like that. It doesn't just stop working once you end the psychedelic trip, right? It continues with you throughout your life and you reflect on it and you can, converse with other people and have like a community and stuff like that. And all these things build up. I think in the reality of the situation is that myth and symbols are actually what manifest reality itself. So those things are higher priority than physical reality. So when you have a dream experience or something like that, it is actually still actively expressing itself into reality versus the other way around. Oh, right. That's, that's interesting. That's, yeah. Especially so when you have a real heavy, like, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. No, no. How, what would the other way around be? Like, like the other way around would be like a, a very material view of reality, right? Yeah, like yeah. material reality affects the That's psyche like, yeah, yeah, versus yeah. like the psyche affects mater material reality. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have those heavy dreams, like they can affect you for a few hours the next day. Like people oh, yeah. have these yeah. nightmares and they're just like, I'm still out of sorts after, you know, four or five hours in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes lifetime. Um, I had a dream, I'd say probably four years ago and I'm still, I still daily have physical experiences from that dream. I mean that, you know, um, anybody that knows me personally can attest to the power of that dream. You know, I talk about it often and, um, you know, I'm still working through that. So it's not a something, you know, like I've had psychedelic experiences, quite a few of them and none of effect to me on the level that that dream did, you know, they're very powerful. I'm not going to deny that. And they have a lot lasting effects on me by far, you know, but nothing came close to that, the power of that dream, you know, um, people make life choices off of dreams too. You know, like, um, I was in the military, I, I spent 14 years in the military and I had a dream, you know, on top of a lot of other things that are happening in my life, but the dream, I associate it to be the determining factor for me to say, I'm done. You know, I've had enough. I'm getting out. Wow. So, you know, 20 years in the military's retirement. So I gave up retirement essentially over a dream, you know, and 
most people would think that's crazy, you know, and I did too at the time, but I couldn't deny what the dream was telling me. You know, I had to listen to it. Otherwise I knew there was going to be big consequences if I didn't, you know, can you get into so, it at all? Or what's that? Can you get into it at all? Uh, well, a dream, oddly, the dream wasn't like, um, if I explain the whole dream, yeah. you won't really like find anything in there. Um, that, <laughs> and I still don't, you know, it's like, but man, I was, you know, I was sitting down with counselors, um, you know, and, and I would tell them this dream and, and it, and I knew that the counselor was an understanding what the hell I was talking about, you know, like, they're like, okay, you know, just a bunch of weird shit going on in his, his mind. And, but I would tell him this dream and I just start like getting teary eyed, you know, and start just like breaking down. And, and I was like, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why I feel like this when I tell this dream, you know, and and they didn't either, obviously, you know, but I knew that like, like, I didn't know what the images meant at the time, but I knew what I needed to do, you know, and people kind of describe dreams sometimes like that, like really powerful dreams where you don't necessarily get like um, a movie, you know, that's going to have like a beginning and end to tell you exactly what to do, but you feel the intensity of what it's trying to convey to you, like a download, right. you know, psychedelics do the exact same thing. You you can't recall the entire experience when you come out of it, but then you're like, wow, you know, that was really powerful. I need to do some shit in my life, you know? And like, so it was kind of the same thing. It's like a download and I knew exactly what I needed to do. And I felt the emotion behind it, which is to me is even more powerful than being able to sit there and like write out the dream word for word or, you know, image by image and be able to convey it to other people. You know, like I said, dreams are personal, you know, sometimes you don't even need to say, you know, tell people your dreams, even though that's a big part of sharing, you know, and people are like, wow, when you share, they get really excited. But, um, you know, sometimes dreams are personal. You don't want to really tell them out there. So long story short, you know, like, um, no, (laughs) I won't get into that one, but, I just don't think it'd be entertaining to be honest with you, yeah, but, um, yeah. no, that makes sense. So it's, it's a, yeah. It's a good way to explain how they affect you and, and you can't just describe them necessarily either. So, that's right. Cool. Yeah. So what about, uh, like, like, uh, you've got in your book, a couple chapters on guides and, uh, friends in your dreams and stuff like that. And I want to also touch on like healing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, guides, um, they're kind of hard to describe. I mean, everybody encounters like a something in their dream that has knowledge, you know, yeah, seemingly more knowledge than you do. And you don't necessarily have to be like in a lucid dream in order to have these experiences. Most of what I write about is in every common dream that you have, and you just don't really realize that you're dreaming. So you just, you know, engage with it. However, the dialogue and the story is that you would normally engage with the dream. Um, so there's not really much difference in a lucid dream between guides and stuff like that. You can still have like a powerful and, uh, interaction, but, uh, you know, to me, guides are like these characters in the dream that are much more knowledgeable and conscious, even than the dreamer, in a sense, they seem to know the world that you're in and what is going on. And they can convey to you like, um, messages, you know, very direct, clear, uh, messages for your, what is happening, you know, in not only the dream experiences, but in these, you know, um, experiences that you're having in life and stuff and what to do. So, um, I mean, I've had a lot of different guide interactions and they transform over time. They, they, um, 
you know, it, it seems that the, the guides have changed too in some ways, you know, like they change um, who they are. Um, but when interacting with them, they feel like they're, um, you know, they're, they're alive. They're, they feel like they're just as real as I am. And they've been there a long time, much longer than, than I have. It feels like, you know, they're ancient in that sense. Um, so, you know, they, they, they feel like they, they have something to teach me and I listen as best I can, you know, um, funny is that, uh, most of my guides are kind of annoyed with me because <laughs> they seem to think that I'm forgetting over and over again, what they teach. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't remember, you know, like yeah. I honestly am in the dream, like, Hey, I, I wish, you know, I wish I could remember what you taught me last time, you know? And they're like, ah, oh, geez, we'll, we'll teach you again. You know, like, um, and they just, they, they try, but then I wake up and of course I can't remember anything they taught me, you know, it's like, God dang it. You know? And, um, I remember one time, you know, I was talking with the, this lady in my dream and she kept telling me her name, you know? And I was like, what, you know? And she'd say her name again. And I'd be like, I can't remember you know, Like immediately as she tell to me, I forget it. And I was like, ah, and I'm like, what's, what's your name? And, and she'd be like, I've told you three times, you know, and she's getting really frustrated with me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just doing my best here. So, you know, for one thing I've realized in my dreams is that my memory is really bad. So, <laughs> so my long-term memory and short-term memory is pretty, pretty suffering in dream experiences as well as waking life. So oh, that's um, hilarious. there seems to be but, something more powerful in the lucid state though. Like we had listeners email us some, uh, some of their lucid dreaming encounters before and, I guess it might've been in some of the books I read where you can ask some of those guides or those, those people that seem not just like a guide, but I, I don't even know what to describe it as. It seems more, more, uh, almost godlike. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 exactly. And you can ask them that deep, profound question and they come up with this crazy answer that I feel like oh, yeah. wouldn't really apply in a normal dream state. Like, I feel like you have to be lucid to get to that level. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've, I, w- I would say that I had guides in both, you know, but, um, um, definitely in my lucid dreams, um, I'd say that I would, I, I would have more of those for sure. And I also lucid dreaming and interacting with those guides allowed me to see the guides in normal dreams, you know, in a, in a different way. Um, lucid dreaming isn't again, something like, uh, uh, that you just turn off, you know, it's like a, it's like a martial art practice that you're doing, right? You're, um, you do martial arts, right? A lot of people, I don't do martial arts, but I, I did when I was a kid and I've taken what I've learned from martial arts as a kid throughout my life, right? It doesn't just turn off and people that are really into martial arts, they, they're actively practicing those concepts throughout their life. Like not just when they're in the, um, when they're practicing like in a gym or something like that. Right. And I'd like to say that lucid dreaming is similar in the sense that it's not something that you just turn on and turn off, right? You practice it. It changes who you are and continues out through not just your waking life or your, your dreaming life, but your waking life as well. You're being, you're trying to be more aware, right? And so it kind of bleeds over into normal dreams too, when you're really engaged within practice this thing, but you're right in the sense that like, um, you know, you're, you bring awareness into the dream and that's what gives you the lucidity, right? You're like, wow, this is a dream. And I can recall what questions I had when I was awake, you know, like the things that have been bothering me or the things I want to learn. And you can take those questions if you can recall them long enough, right? 
into the dream world and then bring it to the character, you know, the, the guide and be like, this is my question. And oftentimes it's very surprising what they have to say. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I, I spent a lot of time on is saying, what is this experience? You know, like, what is this dream experience? Is it real? You know, um, I took the same approach to psychedelics. It actually is what led me to psychedelics to try to answer the question of what a dream is, you know, like, what is this weird experience everybody has every single night, even if you don't recall it, you know, it's like every single night, almost five times on average, each person has a dream, right? Each night, just weird hallucinations, right? That are just totally random seemingly, right? And and we don't pay attention to them. So I was I was really intrigued by that. And I'd bring it to the dream world and be like, you know, a dream character, a guide, I would call them. And I'd be like, hey, you know, like are dreams for real? And, you know, I expect to get an answer that I would think of, you know, like yes or no, you know? And the dream character goes, well, yes and no. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like I just wanted a straight answer, you know, and they're like, um, they convey to me this very deep understanding about dreams and reality in, you know, in a very short period of time, they said, um, dreams, you know, are real and they're not real in the sense that like they're part of your imagination and other people are interacting with that space and that you can come and interact with other people in that space, like other people's imaginations and you can, and it's a, it's like a fluid, you know? And I mean, it's, it's hard for me to even describe what I learned in that dream. And it was also a very long time ago when I had this dream, but again, it's like a download, you know, you wake up and you're like, wow, I I know, I know in my body and like in my being what that means, you know? But trying to speak those words and like convey that message to somebody else is like really difficult, you know. Yeah. It's like it, it's like a again a knowledge beyond words and and images, right? It's symbolic. Yeah. And so um, I didn't really understand that at the time either. I was like woke up and I was like that was confusing as hell, you know. <laughs> but uh, over time, I've kind of grown to understand um, more and more what that message meant. Yeah. Um, So again, dreams, you know, aren't just the experience. It's like living with that experience as you grow into it and really um, learning that knowledge. Um, There's, you know, a lot of Buddhist uh, sayings are kind of like that too. You know, it's like short period, a short amount of words to convey a lot of information that sometimes it takes years and years to grow into to really understand that concept, what they're trying to convey to you, you know? Yeah. We had a, one of my favorite all-time episodes was Greg Doyle. And we talked about uh, astral travel and fighting these battles in the astral realm and like lucid dreaming and all that. I mean, it was unbelievable. Something hit me about that episode. And then we were talking about healing a lot in there too. And and that night I, uh, my girlfriend was on the couch. She couldn't sleep because she had a, she was majorly plugged up with these sniffles, like, like really bad, really. I could hear them from upstairs. And I woke yeah. up in there in the middle of the night or in the early morning and I thought, I'm going to try what Greg was suggesting. So I just kind of tried to get back into that, that sort of lucid state. I think I might've woke up lucid actually. I can't remember now, but I, I tried to get back into that state and I went downstairs and kind of went underneath her head. Like I just sort of tried to like sort of push this healing, like up through her head or whatever. And she stopped fucking sniffling. It was the weirdest thing. And I'm like, and then I woke up, I'm like trying to hear 
And I'm like, how could that be fucking possible? It was, she was going on all that. And I thought, oh, that's so crazy after one of my favorite apps. So there's healing. I mean, it does seem like there's precog potential and healing potential and yeah. shared dreams. I mean, it gets sort of beyond the realm of, of, of what, what we would think possibility. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It, dang. When you were telling me about that dream, it brought up a lot of stuff. And now, like, my short-term memory is <laughs> wiped <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a... Uh, I've had a lot of healing dreams, um, you know, in, in lucid states as well. And, um, other things healing me, you know, a guides again, um, kind of working with my body. Um, Oh, you were talking about like, uh, astral wars and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I've had, I've had few dreams where, you know, um, so it, I've noticed a theme in my dreams is I'm not really like in especially lucid ones. I'm not really active. I'm not take partaking in the dream experience i'm very i'm a, like a voyeur i'm observing what's happening you know yeah, yeah. kind of standing out of the sideline just like yeah i do that okay. too when i'm even when i'm lucid i just let it go sometimes yeah. yeah but i mean like i'll watch like you know people and stuff like that and i'll be like oh i wonder what they're doing you know i'm very scientific about in these dreams you know and so um kind of standing on the sidelines and these people show up and i'm like what the hell are they doing you know like they seem different they're like flying around and doing all kinds of crazy shit, you know? And I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, Hey, you know, what do you, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, Oh, we're, we're fighting a battle. And I was like, <laughs> what battle, you know, like what? And, and they're like, Oh, there's a war happening. And I was like, and, and we're fighting battles. And I was like, okay. And, and then they just took off, you know? And I was like, all right. You know, and I'm still hanging out with my dream world, you know? And, so uh, weeks went by and, and then suddenly I'm in another dream and this lady shows up and she's like battling this, like, uh, like a, it looked like a golem. I, I would say like a giant machine, like being thing, you know? And I was like, I was like, what is going on? You know, again, I'm kind of observing. And she said, Oh, there's a war happening and it's coming. And I was like, okay. And she said, you're going to have to decide what side you're on. You can't, stand on the sidelines anymore. Wow. Fuck. I was like, oh, what does that mean? You know? And so I woke up and, you know, I told all my friends this. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, my dreams say a war is coming. Oddly enough, like my friends usually believe my dreams more than I do. <laughs> and I started noticing that they're like, well, what's the war going to be? You know, I'm like, dude, I didn't even think about that. You know, I'm like, I'm still stuck on like, what the hell is this dream doing? You know, like, this is weird. And, and they're like, you know, what's the war? And this is like before COVID and all this stuff started kind of happening. I was like, I don't know, man, but feels like, you know, war's coming, you know? And I'm definitely like, uh, you know, the sideline person, the, the, uh, my buddy calls it like a fence sitter. You're yeah, like right yeah, in the yeah. middle of the yeah. fence, you know? Yeah. And you're trying to decide what side you're on. And, and I like it there, you know, I like being able to kind of play both sides, but, um, in the last year and stuff, you know, I definitely noticed my, myself kind of, choosing a side to be on, you know, wow. whatever that means, you know, and, yeah, that's uh, interesting playing my part in, in these dream experiences. Very, um, you know, like, uh, I would say like, you know, three or four years ago, I was very materialist, um, scientist, you know, uh, approach to all these things. And in the last few years, it definitely started shifting from that based on shared dream experiences. Those kind of really pushed me on those into accepting that dreams are more than just 
personal psyche experiences they're um they're shared and you know it's a uh, very real in it's the sense around, that it, yeah yeah it exists so yeah. Yeah. In, in my perspective anyways you know i think uh you know a lot of this stuff you know like people are trying to prove things you know yeah. like uh in the scientific community as well as like um in the podcast community and stuff like that you're trying you're really trying to find the science and the truth and stuff you know they're like what is this and uh maybe not you guys but <laughs> um you know everybody that's why we talk we want to know things you know and what i've realized kind of through these experiences is very personal you know like i'm not going to be able to con convince you i don't think of these things being real or not you know you're going to decide for yourself through experiencing it i'd say um you know people could deny the power of psychedelics or something like that until they really try them and yeah. then they're like whoa you know like, yeah. this is not what i thought yeah and that goes for ufos and lucid dreaming yeah, exactly. and astral yeah. travel or obes or i mean whatever sasquatch i mean until you experience ah, it sasquatch well yeah i mean until you know, <laughs> you know it's all there's a there's, wait 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 wait, wait. Can you fill us in on your Sasquatch experience? I haven't experienced hey, don't, don't oh. deny the Sasquatch, man. I'm in I'm in near Seattle, so that's a big deal over here, man. Yeah, I'm you sure, know, like Harry I'm and the sure Hendersons, bro. Oh yeah. Can you get lucid whenever you want? No. I am I, I would say that'd be very unhealthy too, but um would it be why, why is that? Why that why is that? Because uh having the ability to lucid dream consistently is um tiring. Doesn't what's that? Say again. Tiring. Um, well, it's tiring and, and also, um, it, it's, a you know, I'm, I'm a, I would say a scientist at heart, right? Like before all this craziness happened in my life. And so I research, research sleep a lot and I have friends that are, that have narcolepsy and I definitely studied narcolepsy quite a bit. And, um, if you talk to a person that has narcolepsy, they can lucid dream at will. Most of them can. Wow. Um, yeah. Like they have so many lucid dreams it's a problem oh, you know they can't wow, stop that's it so interesting yeah i never knew so that. like cataplexy isn't like if you know what cataplexy is where the person's they essentially just uh hit the ground right like right, right. um they have narcolepsy with cataplexy they're like fully awake and aware and then suddenly just fall down on the ground right uh, most people think those guys are out right like just they're just gone well they're not they're still conscious but they're lucid dreaming. They're having uh, sleep paralysis, right? And they can't move. They're paralyzed, but they're hallucinating while being awake, right? So they're lucid dreaming while they're awake. They're in hypnogogia, which is like the in-between state, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's very uncomfortable to them. And most of them would wish for anything to have that stop. Holy. So, Meanwhile, so like, meanwhile, there's a bunch of us lying in bed trying to fucking get into that state. To... Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not me. Well, um, you know, some some blessings are, um, you know, not blessings for other people. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of these things I realize, you know, um, it's a there's a medium, right? You, you don't want something all the time. You, you, you want to have the experience be special. It happens you know, sometimes you practice it, you get better at it, and it's not all the time happening uncontrollably, right? Like a person with narcolepsy might have. Yeah. So um, it wouldn't be healthy for me to be able to do that. I would actually con consider myself getting like a sleep study done to make sure that like something else isn't happening to me because, you know, like you want to get um, your sleep cycles when you go to bed and things like that. And 
you know, there, there's not a lot of research associated with lucid dreaming and like how rested people are and things like that. So I think there needs to be more research done on that topic before I could say it's okay or not okay. How, how often could you do it if you wanted to then? Um, when I was very scientific about it and practicing daily, I'd say probably around 10 times a month or something like that. Oh, that that's pretty good. A, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, most people that don't, that are really in the community and don't practice law, it's around like um, five to three or four times a month, yeah. you know, on average. Yeah. So, um, but you know, some people are able to do it at will, you know, like my narcoleptic friends and other people that are kind of on the fringe of like mediums and stuff like that. You know, I would say a medium is essentially lucid dreaming all the time that they're experiencing those things, you know, like they, they really believe and they see those things and people would say that they're, possibly asleep, you oh, know, that's really it's interesting. Very, yeah. It's very hard to determine that too. So I, I do, um, EEGs for, um, a neurologist and, you know, we have patients that come in and I study their EEGs and stuff and, and you're trying to watch them to determine if they're asleep or not. And it's very challenging. It's not just like, okay, you're, you're absolutely, you know, like, boom, you're asleep or anything like that. It's like, um, it's, it's very kind of up for to, interpretation as well as like your experience of how long you've seen people have EEGs and stuff. So I had an EEG done on me to determine like what was going on with me. And the, um, the person that did it, the person that's been training me, they're like, Oh, you, you were asleep, you know, the whole time. And I was like, no, I wasn't like, I could hear everything they were doing. I could, you know, open my eyes if I wanted to. They were like, by all you know measures, you were asleep. You're absolutely asleep. And I was like, Nope. And it was like instant too. Uh, I was like, it was like five minutes in and I was out according to them, you know? And I was like, no, I was just super relaxed, you know, but it's hard to know, you know, it's really hard to know. But anyways, long story short, no, I can't listen (laughs) instantly. What do you have? So what are the tricks? How, how do you have a a trick to do it? I mean, I can't even remember my dreams. So I'm, I'm not Maybe I'm not not dreaming or maybe I'm dreaming like a motherfucker and I just can't remember. I mean, sometimes when I do the like back to sleep in the morning thing, I'll sort of remember a dream and I've, you know, bits and pieces here and there. Right. That's a method for lucid dreaming and back to bed, wake back to bed. method. I got shit to do, man. Yeah, I understand. Um, (laughs) Well, I focus on the most like uh, easiest and most scientifically proven methods, right? Those are like my go-tos. Right. And the wake back to bed method is one of the most effective methods that you can do. Hand in um, warm water. What's that? Hand in warm water. Uh, no, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> I'm not doing anything crazy. I wonder, like, does that work better on the wake back to bed too? Uh, no. If um, I catch ground, there's no, there's no hand in water method with wake back to bed, just so you know, but <laughs> you could do whatever you want, but, um, I'm not doing that one. Um, I've done a lot of crazy shit, you know, with, uh, hopefully I can say that on this. Uh, oh yeah. Podcast, oh yeah. But, I said motherfucker. Okay. So we're all, okay. Yeah. You never know with radio and stuff. You um, never know. But I've done some crazy shit with like trying to see what would be most effective with my, you know, dreams, even like sleeping on the floor for like months at oh, a time. Yeah, cool. Months yeah. for months. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, to see what would happen, you know, like wake up, sit there and meditate on a hard floor, like, you know, sit up straight for like, you know, 45 hour or whatever, and then see if I could go back to bed, whatever I could do to like find to try to do this, you know? And really what I found is like the most basic methods are sometimes the best. And, you know, like my, 
my Buddhist teacher said, keep it simple, stupid, you know, kiss. And so I try to have that as my, um, um, my saying now, you know, with, uh, these dream experiences. So like the wake back to bed is essentially you go to sleep for a period of time, like four to five hours. So you're, you feel well rested and then you wake up and then you wake up for a period of time, like 30, 60 minutes. I usually do 60 minutes and then I wake, I go back to bed with the intention to have a lucid dream. That's it. And it's very effective. It's so effective that, uh, <laughs> when I was in the military, um, I would always wake up like five in the morning and then go work out for an hour. And then I come home, take a shower and then lay down to take a nap because I I was tired, you know, and I would have like 90% of the time I'd have a lucid dream just from that. And it was so like consistent that I was, I was, I'd be like, I'm guaranteed to have this experience. So I better plan what I'm going to (laughs) do when I'm in it. You know, I haven't been effective like that since, since that time because i'm not waking my ass up at five in the morning going working out for an hour you know like i'm lazy so um but i know you know i i I did since i got out i was like well i'll go to the i'll do it one more time to see you know like or i really wanted to be see if it would work still for me if it was like something i grow out of so i went to yoga at like five in the morning whatever did yoga for an hour and then came home did the same thing it worked a hundred percent, you know, wow. but I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, I don't want to wake up and go work out, you know, like this, yeah. this, there's gotta be something better, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so I kind of, you know, I, I, it's easy, it works, but it's a pain in the butt and nobody likes to work for the shit that they get, you know, including me. So it's like, um, I'd rather try something else, but that's one of the best methods is wake back to bed. And then the other one is like the mild technique. It's like, mnemonic induced lucid dreaming and the name's like really complex but it just essentially is kind of the same thing as wake back to bed but there's an interesting like thing in there that most people don't really get with mild and if you read it on the internet people leave it out so this was created by Stephen LeBerg the same guy you read the book about yep. and he used this technique to train his people to be able to lucid dream in studies that he was conducting and it's very effective. And he, he actually has the data to show how effective it is too. And you can look it up online. But uh, what happens is when you, when you wake up from a dream, he had his subjects recall what the dream was, right? So you're actively remembering what the dream you just had was, if you can remember it. Right. And then you're um, you imagine that last dream as if you were lucid, right? So say like um, trying to find a random, you know, idea of a dream I could have, but. Uh, well, like I had I one, walking. I had one like the other night where there was a giant in a, a, a giant in the room. With yeah, a, okay. He was only wearing shorts and uh, he, woke, he woke up and I knew I had to get away. So I tried to run out of the house and try and get away from him. And I, I couldn't run outside. I was like, oh, okay. stuck. And then he came That's outside perfect. and then I ended up like making friends with him or something like what that. I don't know. But if I was lucid, I would have like done something totally different. Yeah. So hmm? bottom, maybe pulled out my sword or something. Was he wearing a shirt? There you go. He had a sword. No, I, I didn't have a sword on me. Did he? <laughs> but I would have, I would have manifested a sword or an ax or something. There you Did go. He have a shirt on? Or to cast a spell or something. I would have done something funky like that. Funky. So, you know, you would, uh, if you woke up from that dream in the middle of the night or something like that, right. You would go, okay, you know, this is what's happening in the dream. I was running from the giant guy. And if I was lucid, I would manifest a sword and then I, you know, kill him or whatever. Right. 
And so you're thinking about that at the same time as you're going back to sleep with the intention that your next dream is going to be lucid. So you're actively thinking about those two things at the same time as you fall asleep. And that should be like the last thing that you think about when you actually fall asleep. So he, uh, he shows the data on it. It's super effective, right? Yeah. So wake back to bed and that one, the mild are by all means, like and statistically shown to be the most effective methods out there. There may be more effective methods out there that I don't know about and people, you know, um, can use those or whatever, but it, I haven't seen any data on them, so I don't really know how effective they are besides people just saying, oh, this is effective for me, you know, and everyone's different. So, you know, you may use a technique that I don't know about or one other ones that I do know about, and it may be more effective for you. And you should use that. Yeah. And then there's also things that make them more effective, like the training through the day, like if you can continue to say, am I dreaming? Am I, what, what's, what, what are you, is this all coming back to you? I remember when you were like turning on switches. Yeah, the light like, switch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You go into a room, you turn the light switch and then, and then in your dream, yeah, reality it won't. check. Grabs yeah. shutting and off then, lights at and work. And just and like, really dream. bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, reality checks are very effective in that sense that like they're kind of checking reality to make sure they're not breaking, you know, reality's not breaking because that happens in a dream. But sometimes like um, what I notice with reality checks is also like just doing the reality check also brings lucidity into the dream. So like, I'll be like, Oh, look at my hands. Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Yeah, you know? yeah. And then I go into, I go to sleep. And next thing you know, like I'm in the dream and I go, I'm dreaming. Yeah. You know, I never looked at my hands. I never did any of that stuff. I'm just go, Oh, I'm dreaming. So like the action itself of like asking yourself, am I dreaming and bringing awareness into your daily life, not just your night life, you know, can transfer over into like, say, you know, am I dreaming, you know? So, uh, dream journaling is also incredibly effective. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. I used to try and write them down, but honestly, by the time I try to read my scribbles and I couldn't get enough of it out, right. I try to write it down, but by the time I've written a sentence, like the whole couple paragraphs in my head that I wanted to write about. So I started using the voice notes in the phone and having that available, like having that open so that I just have to get my phone open. And then the voice notes is there. Click record. And then just, no, I haven't done it in a while. I'm okay. asking like if that's still effective. Like I used yeah. to do that and I had a whole bunch of cool dreams in my phone. Like, cause you, even though you're in the sleepy voice, you'd be like, yeah, I woke up the giant woke up and he's chasing me down the hall. Like you'd, you'd say all <laughs> then that, you right? Say, then, Shut up. Go back to bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but do you yeah, think that's, that's effective even just by voice instead of the act of writing yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Any, any recall yeah, like you're yeah. just trying to recall train, right train the recall a lot of the shit's mm-hmm. like memory based so like yeah. um my short-term and long-term memory are horrible right but like the more i work on that the more i recall my dreams right so any type of memory recall of that kind of like experience is going to be helpful for you even yeah. if like you did something that was very mundane during the day and tried to like run through your day and recall it, you know, before going to bed and things like that, those are going to be effective for you and oh, like that's ability to recall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're trying to like improve your memory. Um, and also like the, you know, like um, I would say like the ritual associated with like writing down your dreams and stuff like that. You're, you know, your, your consciousness isn't really just something that just turns off. you right. It's constantly watching you. It's constantly aware of like the environment. So like the more energy you give to something, it's going to really notice the energy that you apply to that thing. 
and make it important, right? Yeah. So like, totally if you're like that. focused on uh, podcasts all the time, right? Then your dreams are going to be associated with like podcasts and stuff, right? But if you uh, associate yourself with like trying Giants. to recall your your yeah. experiences in life and memories and dreams and stuff like that, and you really spend time and energy in that, then your dreams will like express themselves in that way. It'll kind of meet you halfway, you know. Sometimes more so. Sometimes it won't meet you even more. So. Wow. The more energy you put into something, the more you get back from those type of experiences, right? When I was a so, kid, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, like, it, I don't know if you guys are cannabis users or either. Or well, I like smoke that, weed but, like a motherfucker. I'm high right yeah. now. So <laughs> I was going to get to that question next. But when I was a kid, I used to and eat I lucid, lucid once in a while. You know, every time when it was, is I dream I was peeing. Oh, interesting. And I'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's not and then I'd wake up and I'd be peeing in the bed every fucking time when I was. That's why you don't dream anymore because you got trauma from peeing in your bed. Pee in the bed again. So now I don't dream and I don't get. I mean, I get odd little glimpses. Is that from smoking weed? Yeah, cannabis. uh, I mean, I use cannabis too um, because I get headaches and stuff. Um, So I use cannabis, and if I'm going to use cannabis, I, I pretty much can guarantee I won't recall nearly as many dreams you know like if you took a break from cannabis you're going to get like a sudden large dump of dreams right shortly after and i'm not sure if you've ever taken a break or not but <laughs> how um, long of a break like a couple of hours or a couple of days you know like a day or two no I'll see what I well not in a while i've been trying yeah. to get him to do that for dreaming not for dreaming. years years ago when i was on the when I was on harder stuff, I used to take breaks all the time. Now I just smoke yeah. my weed and that's it. Live my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, could I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but the problem is, is you're just not going to have the recall that you generally get. The dreams are still happening. Like, um, there was some, there's a doctor on Joe Rogan that, uh, was talking about dreams and stuff like that. And he was, he was telling, he was saying something about cannabis and he was like saying all the shit about cannabis, about like it stopping REM essentially like completely reducing REM to zero. And I was like, no, that, that is an absolute false statement because it, it doesn't REM never stops. You, if you stopped having REM in your, your sleep, you go insane. Like you start hallucinating while you're awake that's how the brain works. So like cannabis, it, I still get dreams, right. But they're harder to recall. So I'm still dreaming every single night. They're just harder to recall. And so if you can't stop using cannabis, you can start working on recalling things better. And one thing I thought about cannabis that is kind of cool is it's kind of a memory, um, improvement drug in a way like even though it makes you forget shit right but like if you could use it as a tool right you could you could use it and then while you're you know intoxicated or high you could recall things throughout your day right and improve your memory and then when you sober up that muscle i think memory works like a lot like a muscle so you're like built you're like putting the weights on right and you're just like lifting all this heavy weight with your memory and then when you're sober like your memory's just like boom you know so um Fuck yeah use it as a performance enhancer for memory yeah i'm pretty I enhanced think, already i don't want to <laughs> the scales too i much. mean I, I know a lot of people that are really good you know taking tests and recalling shit um, that were stoners when I was a kid, you know, I never used weed or anything, but these people are like sometimes like superhuman and like the amount of shit they recall, you know, when they're 
sober, you know? And it's like, how are you doing this? You know, I can't remember anything. And, and they're like, dude, I spoke weed, man. I'm always high. And I'm like, what? Like, how does these two things make sense? They're like idiots. But at the same time, they're like smart, you know, it's like, what is happening? So I think a lot of it's associated with this, um, you know, memory muscle almost that you're able to like, um, kind of, kind of work it out. Um, another thing about cannabis, like most people don't probably know is it's like really good for, Alzheimer's and stuff like that. So, um, people with dementia, like cannabis users probably have a (laughs) much lower chance of getting dementia, which is related to memory, obviously, and stuff like that. So, um, that's a plus, right? So totally dementia is the number one killer in Alberta. Wow. Oh, so have you experienced sleep other paralysis COVID, at all? Of course. Other than COVID, yeah. It used to be. It used to be. It used to be dementia. <laughs> now it's, yeah, now it's COVID. COVID slash uh, dementia. Probably a mixture, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I One thing that, you know, uh, people really don't really talk a lot about uh, is sleep paralysis. I, re- I wrote about it in my book, um, too, because I felt like it would be unjust for me to warn people of these experiences because oftentimes they're pretty traumatic. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they could be terrifying if you don't know what the hell is going on and they can be terrifying regardless, but it at least helps you a little bit. If you kind of know like what's happening, what you may encounter and how to kind of overcome that a little bit. Um, so I, I have had, um, sleep paralysis, um, and my sleep paralysis, my first experience of sleep paralysis led into me having, uh, out of body experiences. So, um, you know, that there's, some positive that can come out of that. Right. And is that uh, like trying me, to disassociate from the trauma kind of thing or, um, well, I think, uh, you know, if you've ever read into like, um, uh, God, who is the guy named there? My memory goes again, man. Um, if you try to, uh, man, Which guy Rudolf you think Steiner, it, yeah, there he is. Right, right. if you're in the Rudolph Steiner's work, he talks about, uh, the, um, the guardian and the gateway, um, or the threshold the guardian of the threshold. And, um, you know, I think the, his idea associated with that probably is to me, the best one is that it's not so much the trauma that is the experience of going, you know, having you have these out of body experiences, even though like sometimes it's associated with that, but, uh, seemingly anyways, the experience of working through a terrifying experience is actually what brings awareness to it and allows you to have these unique experiences versus the trauma. So trauma is like, um, I've noticed as well as some other people have noticed that trauma is associated with having out of body experiences, right? Like in lucid yeah. dreams, like yeah. oftentimes people or even alien abductions and stuff, you know, like the trauma is associated with these people and you're trying to like figure out why, but a lot of these people have worked through their trauma too. Like it's not so much the trauma itself that's allowing them to have these experiences. Those people have had trauma and then they've worked on it to the point that they're like, okay with the trauma to the point that they're normalish, you know? So like I grew up in a pretty traumatic uh, experience with my dad. And I think through working through that, it kind of allowed me to um, start having these experiences because it's like a, a higher level of awareness, right? You, you, if you can see trauma for what it is and pain and suffering and stuff like that for what it is, and you can kind of work with it as like a, almost like a force versus like 
this hard thing that is never really going to move and like you're just stuck in it you know forever if you can work through that then you can kind of see like reality and like these experiences for what they are and i think bringing in that awareness kind of gets you to a different maybe level or something or be able to see a little bit through the veil that other people can't see you know yeah so um the sleep paralysis experience that i had was very traumatic but um, when I finally worked through it, that's when the, you know, the gateway opened up, you know, wow. like I was able to have these experiences and not, it didn't stop, you know, like the sleep paralysis continued over and over and over again in different forms, as well as like the beings and characters and the encounters that I had in the paralysis. Wow. They changed and they sometimes were more uh, traumatic, you could say in some ways, but through engaging with that and not like the first time that I worked through that, um, I brought that with me. Right. It didn't like, it wasn't like starting over. It was like, now I, I stepped up a, a step, you know, and I'm stepping and I'm stepping, and I'm stepping, and I'm getting to uh, higher points of like experience. Right. Like um, the trauma is kind of building, but it's not so hard now, you know, I'm working through it. And as I engage with that, those experiences, I'm able to not suffer as much, you know, and then um, pass on to another experience, you know. So I, I don't necessarily see those experiences as like, um, I don't know how to describe it. I, I would say, I would say those experiences are more like training situations almost versus like real traumatic things, right? And it's, I would almost say that physical reality is the same way. Like, even though, you know, some people really suffer a lot, you know, and that's hard for me to like justify it through me just saying, Hey dude, you got to work through it. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, your whole family died, you know, but you got to just work through it. You know, that's, that's not for me to say for them. Right. They, that's their experience that they need to, they can engage with and figure out themselves how they're going to work with that. Right. But for every experience that I've ever had in my personal life that have been traumatic or whatever, if I can look at those things as learning experiences for me to pass on through and to grow from, then they lead to something else. Right. And, you know, I, I tend to think that these things are all interconnected in a way like uh, the dream world is a uh, interconnected to reality and they're kind of, uh, they they have the same symbols and the same structure and the same, you know, themes and stuff like that. So you can kind of like see one for the other, you know, like the dream world operates like this and it's kind of like a analogy of the waking world, you know, like you could say like the matrix movie is like um, kind of an analogy for our reality in a way, you know, a lot of people do that. They bring up the matrix. They're like, Oh, we're in a simulation, man, you know, stuff like that. And I'd say, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's a metaphor for reality, right? It doesn't mean that it's like that, but it's a metaphor. And the same thing goes for a dream world. It's like, these are metaphorical experiences of waking reality. So you can see the connection connection and work through it and work with it. You know, yeah. it's all about like bringing awareness to your life, you know? Yeah. So what about uh, some of your UFO experiences then? Did they overlap with the dreams in the military? Was that like legit military UFO experiences or? Yeah. Um, I mean, I had a, I had a UFO experience before I was uh, in the military as a kid um, with a friend. He saw it too. And 
Um, the interesting part about that was that I imagined um, I was in a, it was late at night and I was sleeping outside and I imagined an airplane hitting my house before it happened. Oh, wow. And it just like an image appeared in my mind that this, you know, it's like a 737 or whatever just smacked into my house and it blew up to pieces. And I was like, you know, just sitting there, I was like, wow, that's a weird idea, you know? And it was like out of the blue, you know, you get those, you probably get those uh, images sometimes when you're getting ready to sleep, wherever you're like, Whoa, what was that? And so it was kind of like that. And, uh, so I'm sitting there and thinking about this airplane hitting my house. And then I look in the distance and there's like a light, you know, and I'm like, Oh, you know, it's probably an airplane because I lived kind of near an airport. And so I'm watching this light and it gets get closer and closer to my house. And I'm like, Oh, you know, that's a little closer than normal. And keeps on coming and i'm like all right getting a little worried now you know i'm like was my dream you know trying to tell me that an airplane's going to hit my house you know i'm like starting to think about that and keeps getting closer and i'm like okay you know and i got to a point where it was getting so close that like i became paralyzed right like i didn't really associate like the paralysis that i maybe was even in but i became paralyzed with fear that i couldn't even get up and tell my parents, you know, like this thing, I'm like, I dreamed this and now it's happening in front of me and I can't do anything about it because I can't move. You know, I'm so scared. And it, it lasted for a couple seconds. And then, you know, I kind of came to, and I see this light, I'm still looking at it. And then it takes off straight up in the air, like, um, straight up. And it went so fast and so far that it curved over the horizon. And so the summer, like that summer, it was summertime. And, and that summer, I I went to Florida and watched the space shuttle take off. And it did the exact same thing. You know, the space shuttle took off and then it, you could watch it curve over the horizon, you know, and then it disappears. And you're like, all right, it's in space now, you know. And this UFO did the exact same thing. Uh, um, one thing though, it, it didn't make a sound. It was completely silent and it didn't have any type of fire coming out of it. You know, like, a uh, the space yeah. shuttle looks like a candlestick. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's loud and like, and it was further away from me than this orb thing was right. And this light. And so like, I'm like, Whoa, what was that? You know? And I'm sitting there and my friend was outside with me, you know, he's asleep. I thought, and I'm like, well, I'm not telling him what I just saw, you know, like he's going to think I'm crazy. And, um, and then he said, he's like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, dude, I don't know, man. And so, you know, fast forward like 20 years and I reached out to him, you know, I was like, I hadn't talked to him since you're really. And I'm like, Hey dude, you remember that shit? You know? Cause like, you guys know my memory's trash essentially. So I wanted to like verify what the hell I saw. And he's like, yeah, that, that was the most profound thing he's ever seen in his life today, you know? And I'm like, damn, man. Um, so, you know, I really kind of, I didn't really talk about it after for, you know, until like maybe a couple of years ago, I didn't really think it was very important um, to people um, for some reason, you know, like you kind of just, I don't know, you kind of forget about things. You don't really talk about weird experiences like that. Um, and you know, I kind of thought about that and it's like, um, the association with the imagination and this experience that I had with this UFO object, you know, and like, maybe that somehow is connected together and then dreams too, you know, and I'm not really sure, you know, I can't really put those things together completely, but I know that they operate on the same thing, you know, like I 
dream something was coming into you know into my reality it was going to interact with me in some way my imagination put the image of an airplane you know hitting my house very traumatic experience you know and that ufo even though like it was only a couple seconds really or a couple minutes i guess happened you know it's like it changed my life you know but in a way that was different than normal things most things that are life-changing you talk about you're like oh my god you know like these things have changed my life completely um so fast forward you know in i'm in the military and it's actually you know um i wish i had dates and stuff you know of everything that has happened in me during that time but it's probably associated it's about the same time i had started having sleep paralysis too but um i was in a on the i was in virginia and I'm on the military base there in Oceana, which is like an F-18 squadron, like a big F-18 place, right? They have a bunch of jets there. And and I, I go inside. I'm a, I'm a electrician, so I work on airplanes at that time. And I go inside to get some tools, and I come out, and, like, all my buddies are like, dude, did you see that? And I was like, see what, you know? And they're like, oh, this airplane flew over the base, and it landed in the trees. And I was like, What? And they're like, yeah, I didn't, they're, all these guys are like pilots themselves. Right. And like they're pilots or they work on planes or they fly for commercial airplane airliners and stuff. And they're like, yeah, it didn't have FAA lights on and it landed in the trees. And like, there's no runway there. There's no nothing in those trees. Right. And I was like, that's fucking weird, dude. You know? And they're like, yeah, it's crazy. And there's probably like 15 people out there that saw this thing. They're all talking about it, you know? And I'm like, all right. And also like, so it's New Year's Eve. And so the base is completely shut down. I work night shifts. So it's probably like one to two in the morning at this point. And it's flooded too. The whole entire base is flooded out. I had to take my boots off and my, and roll up my pants to get through to work because it was so flooded out. I couldn't even drive my car there. So no one's on this base besides these like guys with me. Right. And, and like a gate guard. And so I'm like, well, that was weird. So I didn't see it. And I'm, you know, we're, we're done for the night. We're packing up and stuff. We're walking out and this gate guard, he's like, yeah, I saw the UFO, you know, and all this stuff. And he's just like some young guy that's like, he's just, you know, some MP guy. And he's like, yeah, I saw the UFO, man. I saw it fly over and everyone's talking about it. And he's like, what the hell's that? And he's like, puts his <laughs> finger up, you know, we're like, and I look up and it was this giant thing dude i don't even like i try to describe to people what it was it like i describe it as like a giant trash bag right but it it was a semi-translucent object that had to be at least um you know a mile if not two miles in diameter it was as big as the base like it was slowly floating over the base it was enormous like huge and it, it was so big that you could see like the base lights, like the base is still lit and it was shining lights up into on this object and it was reflecting off into the sky. Like as if you had like shirt, shirts lights on it, you know, and you're just like, it was massive. And I was just like, what the hell is that? You know, we're just watching this thing and it's just slowly hover, you know, floating over this base. And then it just eventually, you know, it, it just disappeared. You know, it kept going mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know what to do, you know, like silent? I don't know what to do about that. Silent? Yeah, completely silent. Yeah, no, course, no sound, right? nothing. No sound. And I was like, all right. And and then I got my car 
you know, and drove home, went to sleep and <laughs> came back the next day and nobody, nobody even talked about it. Like Fuck, no crazy. one mentioned it. No like, missing I time. I didn't think no. about it. Yeah. What's that? No missing time or anything like that. Not, I mean, nothing that I could think of, Jeez. you know, and just nobody, nobody thought about it. No one cared. You what, know, what base was that? At? Uh, it was in Oceana in Virginia. Oh, wow. Yes, that's crazy. Virginia, baby. I love those. I love those uh, sightings of the massive. Like you don't hear that many of them that see the mass. Like there's the big, big black triangles and some of those ones, but but to see those massive like city size ones is is right. That's incredible. Swamp gas. Yeah, I mean, the people that are like, oh, these are drones, you know, and all this stuff. It's like, okay, you know, like the little object, you know, eh, it could be a drone, maybe, you know, whatever. Um, I'll give them that, you know, but it's like. No, like no one's, you know, no one's building a mile diameter aircraft floating around, you know, and like nobody sees it, you know, it's like, no, like that, that's not possible, man. Like if it was, if that thing landed like in a city or something, it would cover the city. Like if it was a trash bag that it kind of looked like, you know, it cover the entire city of Virginia, like, or not Virginia, uh, Virginia beach, you know, like the whole entire city would be covered. It's like, it's not an accident, you know, like. But, you know, it was just, I didn't really think about it after that, you know, for a long time too. It's just like, these things are so massive in your mind, you just can't really comprehend them, you know? It's not something you can really have a conversation with people and be like, yeah, like, I just saw this thing, you know? And they're like, okay, what do I do with that, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm I'm like you, I'm on the fence about all that stuff. Like, I had a crazy sighting too, and I just, I don't know if it was E.T. or secret space right. program or high black project stuff. It doesn't, I don't even know. It could be anything. It could be anything. I yeah. just, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know. I've, I've definitely seen like, um, I've had alien encounters in my, um, sleep paralysis, um, orb encounters in my sleep paralysis, you know? Yeah. And I've read studies on people that have had, um, they continually get abducted, you know, and they go into sleep labs and they study them why the abductions are happening. They say, well, you're in sleep paralysis. That's why you feel like you're abducted. You know, like it matches pretty accurately to them not being able to move. And then like they're visited by some weird thing and then they have all this stuff happen to them. And it's like, yeah, you know, like I would have an alien adoption, you know, type dream. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like I was in sleep paralysis. So it's just me dreaming it. You know, I'm hallucinating this experience, you know, but anymore, I'm like, Oh, you know, like I kind of go back through that. I'm like, Oh, maybe there's more to that. You know, like (laughs) maybe that is actually, uh, some type of being or something like doing something to me. Um, there's a book, um, by Iliad. It's like, it's called shamanism, uh, ecstasy, I think. And, or ecstatic, uh, anyways, um, it's a, I think it's a well done book on cross-cultural, shamanistic type experiences and initiations and there's a chapter in chapter four it talks about these initiation experiences through cross cross-cultural um experiences and uh he goes into these like these similarities essentially between all these different cultures that he studied and a lot of them talk about like abduction experiences in sleep you know and out-of-body experiences essentially where they're either taken up or or dragged down to the ground, you know, and into the earth and then they're taken apart and put stuff into them and then they're reassembled and then they come back as a shaman, you know, and I've read many people's cases on sleep paralysis in like um, public forums and stuff. And many of them speak about the exact same thing where yeah. they they have these, uh, 
um, sleep paralysis type experiences. They're reassembled and then uh, or taken apart, reassembled with stuff in them, you know. And sometimes they're alien-like, and sometimes they're not. So yeah, I, I often wonder if if those experiences are colored by our awareness of what uh, the latest kind of cultural thing is. Like in the past, it might have been, although some people still have like shadow man encounters or demonic sort of things. Right. But it feels like it was a religious thing, and then now, and there's the little fairies, and there's the whole like sort of more fantasy kind of realm of that, and then the old hags and the, and now it's, now it's kind of ET almost because we're sort of more modern and technologically advanced. It's like our consciousness goes to like, somehow our consciousness is playing a role in that. And, and that being, or that, you know, maybe if it is a being, it's coming up in different, uh, different forms, depending on what, what our fears yeah. are, what our fears are or what our culture says is possible or who knows. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, turn it back into like dreams. I think, I mean, I think UFO uh, experiences and shaman, shamanistic uh, uh, initiations are associated with dream experiences too. And that's not to discredit them at all. I think that they're very real. Um, I think they're more real sometimes than even what we call reality, you know. Um, but in the in these um, these experiences, I think what I've noticed in um, in my experiences, as well as other people's experiences that I've, I've asked them to do certain experiments in lucid dreams and stuff, we started noting, noticing patterns, like a structural type pattern to these things. And it kind of reminds me of like an analogy of putting, um, building a house, right? Like there's a structure, the wood structure and everything, the foundation, it's all there, but then you put like a wallpaper you know, you put wallpaper on the house, like the interior to make it look different. Right. And I think a lot of dream images are wallpaper on our experiences. Right. But deep down inside the structure is all the same. We're seeing the same thing or we're experiencing the same thing, but it's presented to us in a way that makes sense to us. So like, um, you know, people will be like, well, you're, you're dreaming about the things that you're doing throughout the day. You know, it's like, absolutely. I am, you know, that would make sense. But it's the dream meeting me. It's saying, hey, here's an image that you, it seems that you're relating this to your life. You know, it's important to you. And I will present you this image with an underlying structure of this. So you're getting the message, you know. So it's like, uh, you know, if it was an alien technology, that'd probably be the best way to communicate, right? Um, you know, like uh, there was the the movie Arrival uh, as a very good um I think it's very well done for like uh, if you look at it from a dream perspective and symbols and images and stuff, she's she's having memories that haven't happened to her, you know, and they also talk about like the language and the symbols that they're using and how she's engaging with these symbols and it's creating, it's changing, changing her reality. And she mentions that in, in the movie. And if you kind of look at that as a dream experiences, it kind of opens up um, this realm a little bit to be like, yeah, okay, these symbols are more than just like an image. They're actually a way of living and being. And if I engage with them, they'll change how I see things, you know, change my actual world around me. So I think dreams do have structure to them in that sense, you know, and so do like the alien encounters and all that stuff. I think they're um, very structured and there's commonalities. And if we look at those commonalities and those structures, we'll learn something very profound, I think. Yeah. Have you talked to any of those guys from your base at all in that experience since then? And when, when was that one? How long ago was that? Uh, 
that was around 2006, I'd say. Okay. And I really haven't, um, I don't, oddly, I don't recall who was there, you know, like that night, maybe one guy I could ask him. Um, I think he was around, but it was so weird, you know, like, um, we just didn't really talk about it. It was like, um, just kind of, you know, forgotten about. And, you know, I noticed that between those two encounters, I don't think a lot of people have multiple, you know, UFO encounters, but, um, you know, from other people's experiences, I've heard that kind of a loss of time, a loss of that memory, you know, and, um, you know, memory is a really interesting thing, you know, like, um, trying to remember something, you know, from 2006, as if it was today is a very challenging thing. You know, it's hard enough for me to remember yesterday as if it was today, you know, and the things that change in those memories too, um, you know, living, it's like a living memory, right? So my experiences in life and stuff infect almost that memory and change it into something that it wasn't. So, um, it's, it's hard to recall, you know, it may be even almost impossible for some of those people to recall what they've, they experienced. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mine was burned in my, like, I feel like I burned it in when it happened. I was like just burning it into my mind. And I, I, my memory is more about what I burned it in my mind than the actual event in a way, you know, I have a narrative around what happened, you know, and that's just seems to me, it seems to me it's always stayed the same, but I think it could be, maybe it is a little (laughs) fluid, you know, depending on how I tell it or how I remember it. And I I I contacted friends about it. And, uh, oh, yeah. and they didn't even, like Nobody the two cared. Kiwi girls and they're like, oh, it's just, I chalked it up to too much beer or something, but I can't get a hold of the guy that I, the guy from the UK who was with me when it happened. And he, uh, him and I t- definitely talked a lot about it. I mean, we told our, our, uh, kibbutz, one of the, one of our bosses on the Israeli kibbutz about it. And he, and he was just laughing as all oh, UFOs aren't real. And we're like, we Uh-oh, saw it ourselves. Geez. And so anyways, yeah, I think it's funny that, um, you know, people try to, there's still debate about UFOs, you know, know, like, I I, I don't understand that. I mean, I was in the military. I went I was on the Nimitz, you know, not during the time that those, those events happened, but I know those types of people, you know, like F-18 pilots, they're essentially 20 years in, you know, they know how to fly planes. They know the systems very well. I know like the chiefs, you know, like the, the guy that was, uh, he was operating the, the radar system, the Aegis radar system on the, um, the cruiser, you know, I know those people, I've had friends that, um, operated those ships, you know, they know the systems very well. And there's no way that like those people are just all lying, you know, like, or don't know what they're talking about. It's like, you guys are ridiculous. So I don't, you know, it's like, again, for me, it's not a, um, it's a, I'm not debating with those people, you know, it's like, I don't have anything to prove to those people about what I experienced. I don't have anything to prove about my dream experience. You know, there's still people that debate about lucid dreams and if people can even have them, you know, or if dreams are just random noise, you know, it's like, I'm not here to prove that to you. That's That's exactly where, dude, dude, that's where we, exactly where we ended up, or at least I did in the show is like, I don't, I've experienced enough things and talked to enough people that have experienced things. Like I'm not trying to prove to anybody. There's evidence. Yeah. If you want to look for it, there's evidence all over the place for this stuff. Make up your right, own mind yeah. after you do. That's, I mean, yeah. I was into proving stuff too, you know, big yeah, time. So yeah. I understand where they're coming yeah, from, yeah. but it's like, you get to a point and you're like, okay, I have to kind of, I either have to accept this is real or I'm, I just have to live an illusion, you know? I like, wonder if that was the battle that you had to, 
I wonder if it was yeah. a spiritual battle. Like it was like, you got to join the side of like open minded kind of inquiry. I, I absolutely agree that that was part of it. I don't, I, I personally don't think that things just operate on one level, you know? So like, um, that, what you're talking about operates all the way down, you know, like the, the Buddhists would say, it's like turtles all the way down, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's because it, it affects everything. It's all the way down. So yeah. once you kind of cross over that line of seeing things in a different way, it's not just going to affect your, like the spiritual battle you, you talk about. It's like all the way down into every part of your being, you yeah. know? And so it's a, it's a massive shift in perspective. I see the importance of both sides, you know, as a fence sitter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I can see a little bit of both sides and I definitely lean to one side more than the other still, you know, and I struggle with that. But at the same time, I, I, I see that, um, you know, it's, it's for me to accept and explore, you know, about my dreams. I'm not interested in proving anything really anymore. I'm more interested in understanding, you know, and learning and being like in listening versus like telling, you know, how it is. So, um, you know, yeah, I get it. Hey, uh, we should probably get it wrapped up here. Hey, eh, Darren, uh, do you have any other questions or no, I'm moving to wrap it up. Yeah. I think <laughs> we had, good. I think we all kind of had to uh, have a bit of a stop here. So what do you, what do you got going on next? I mean, what's, uh, what's for, as far as in this sort of category of, uh, interesting. Things? Um, well, right now I've just, I mean, just my book is being released in, uh, May on May 4th. So oh, it's not even, it's not even out yet. Yeah. May the 4th be with you. Oh, I didn't pick awesome. that day. So, um, <laughs> my publisher picked that day randomly, I guess, supposedly randomly. Um, so that's the main thing. Um, can and people I, pre-order I like, it at all or can people, what's that? Can people pre-order it at yeah. all? Yeah. Yeah. They can go to luciddreambook.com or wow. tailleaders.com. Yeah, Tailleaders yeah. is a little bit harder to remember. Yeah. I'll put it in um, the show notes either way. Yeah. So they can go to either of those. I'll send you guys the link um, and they can pre-order off my website, off of Amazon or off the publisher's site. And if they pre-order off my website, um, they get like a necklace I made for the book and, some other stuff. Let me guess cool. in the shape of a tail eater or a boros. Yeah, it's actually, yeah. it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So, um, I designed it myself and everything. Cool. And, um, so I give it to people. I, I don't sell that really. I give it to people that have helped me. So I consider people that, um, pre-order my book kind of helping me out, you know? Yeah, so I totally. give it to people that help me. And so you can't like buy my necklace, you know? So yeah, it's a little okay. special, I think. Cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I'm working on right now. Um, I work with people online and talk about like uh, symbols and like um, kind of the occult stuff and like religion and spiritual spiritual stuff and kind of still trying to figure it out with them. They're really great people. It's a super small group, but um, they seem to be pretty cool. And you can join those those groups by just going to the my website and going to discussions. There's like four different groups in there that you can join. And talk with some pretty experienced people, especially on the Facebook page. Like there's a, there's about 600 people in there, and I add a, personally add a lot of those people in there. Um, they're people that I really truly believe that are really capable of having lucid dream experiences. They're not just like uh, random people, you know. And um, so they're great, but really, you know, like most of my focus is just kind of on my own personal experiences and trying to uh, work with them. 
anymore versus like trying to research and know yeah, things yeah, yeah. and cool. tell people tell people what I think, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't have an intention to write another book or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So. No, that's great, man. I mean, it's, this has been a, a blast. It's flown by and it's just a super interesting topics and uh, man, we should do it again and get into some of the occult and symbolism about other things. And I mean, yeah, we could I'd go love, on for a long time. About that, yeah. Man. yeah it's so been fun. it's been great. Thanks for having me on guys. Yeah, no I problem. Appreciate it. Yeah. We'll put links in the show notes and stuff and we'll keep in touch. All right. Sounds good. Okay, buddy. You have a great okay, day. Man. Okay, have have a good night. Bye. Night. Bye. And that was a chat. What'd you think, buddy? Oh, dude, we didn't even have time to get into the, the lucid dreaming supplements and how to get yourself out of sleep paralysis. I mean, this is one of those shows I had a million questions still. At the, the lucid dreaming and I supplements went for like work? almost an hour. Yeah, I had a couple crazy dreams the other night. Are oh, they working for you now? Oh, I just tried. I was, well, we had this guy scheduled for a while and then, uh, and uh, I thought I'd try some of the lucid dreaming supplements. So you got yeah. lucid or you just had a dream? I had some, a little bit of crazy dreams, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Well, it's a got, crazy dream yeah, but, or you were lucid? No, but sometimes I'm kind of lucid, but I don't really get lucid. I just sort of watch it happen. I, can I you just, be kind of lucid? Yeah, you can be semi-lucid, I think. That's can my, you? yeah, yeah. You just let mm -hmm. it go. You don't, you don't want to control anything. You just, you're there for, you're there to just to watch. Like he, kind of like what So you know you're dreaming though? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Sometimes I just like the adventure. It's a big adventure. Sometimes they're huge, dude. They go on forever. Like it feels like days. I think you've been playing too much Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> too much podcasting about giants. <laughs> What's his website called again? Taileaders.com. That's his main website? Yeah. That's where the link to the Facebook page and all that stuff is. You bet yeah, it's right there. Yeah. Taileaders.com slash discussion. Perfect. I'll put all that in the show notes. It was fun, man. I'd like to uh yeah, let's see if he uh See if he, he's going to put this out in audiobook. First, it's got to come out as a book, I guess. Let it come out as a book first. Yeah. <laughs> did you read it already? Though? I did. Yeah, it was fantastic. So you got it was, on, it was honestly a really no, no. He sent me the PDF. Actually, do you know it was like it was like the original books that we read on Loose Streaming, but it was way better, way deeper. It was like a super uh, deep. Who was condensed, it? Robert or not Wagner. Condensed. Back yeah, Robert in the day. Wagner and uh, Stephen LeBurge, Yeah. We had Stephen LeBurge. No, but we had, but, we, but his book it was based on his book. I remember yeah. Wagner. Wagner came on, yeah. Yeah. Well, big thanks to Lee for coming on the show. Check out his stuff. Pre-order his book. Get the cool necklace. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks. You happen to be a supporter. If you want that, even bigger thanks because you don't have it yet. Head over to grandamerica.ca/support. Sign up for a monthly or make a one-time donation. Uh, you can do all the stuff in the newsletter, spam gram. Check out Rockfin. All that wonderful stuff. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Five pink flamingos and a few flamenco dancers. They're in the kitchen, and they're baking day of the dead cookies. And I step into the kitchen, and I'm like, let me have a looky. See what kind of cookie you're cooking up And they're looking up at me skeptical And I point next to my spectacles And I'm wearing a Maroon Harvard t-shirt Yeah, I know I'm a smart cookie, but I'm no psychic You can come and ring my bell But where we're gonna end up in the future, I can never tell I can never tell
five of my best friends and a few of my enemies. We're at the coffee shop and we're settling our differences. Benjamin Otto pulls out a game of Chinese checkers and he orders a cappuccino. And I pick blue and he picks red and you pick yellow. And I'm wearing a tie-dye peace sign t-shirt. Yeah, I know I'm a peacemaker, but I ain't no hypocrite. You can come and ring my bell. But where we're gonna end up in the future, I can never tell. I can never tell. One bell, one man. And with my sense of smell, I can smell the salt in your tears. I can sense your fears You're hoping for a bit of divinity In this worldly vicinity And you understand the fragility of the human vessel And you sit Indian style like a pretzel And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate